Are you ready to be blessed this morning? Yes. You're expecting of what God has prepared for you? This is uh, your pastor, Pastor Dubs. And I am, I love to be a pastor of this church. Uh, it's because we love the city. We love these people in the city. And I am glad that we are here. I am really, really glad that we are here. As we talk about Hope Silicon Valley, we cannot give hope to people unless we understand the hopelessness of others. So this morning, I know we're going to celebrate out there and witness what God is going to do in our lives. But this morning, I want us to be honest for the next whatever minute I'm going to preach. It could be 40 or 1 hour or 5 minutes, I don't know. But this will be honesty hours. And I want to start by saying that unless you feel the hopelessness of other people, you cannot spread hope to them. Unless you yourself feel the hopelessness, you can't explain what hope is. You can't genuinely give hope to the people. Hope Silicon Valley. Hope is we want to be a part of taking care of people to alleviate their health and food insecurity. That's what we want to do, age. But have you ever been insecure about food and health? Have you ever thought that tomorrow when I get up, I may not have food to eat? Or you have just assumed that food is going to be there every day? Is food a concern for you? It may not be. There may be people that are sitting here this morning that have gone through that. Yes, we may have health insecurity. But not so much about uh, money. You may have money to give. You may have health insurance. And oh, outreach. How do we outreach people? Go out there physically and spread compassion and love. And P is prayer, that we are praying for the people, the city, and the community. And how education readiness ties in all to overcome or help with the vicious cycle of poverty, illness, incarceration. How education can help this. And we want to be a part of that. Are you ready to be a part of that? Yes, I am. I am ready to be a part of that. Yes. So, the scripture for this morning is Matthew 25, 34, 36, and 40. And let me read it for you. Let me read it for you. Uh, uh, then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, be blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world for I was hungry and you gave me food I was thirsty and you gave me drink I was a stranger and you took me in I was naked and you clothed me I was sick and you visited me I was in prison and you came to me and the king will answer and say to them assuredly I say to you inasmuch as you did it to one of the list of this my 
brethren. Can we say my brethren? Hmm. I don't know whether the brother will feel your love. Uh, but uh, I'll, for now, I'll take that, right? Your whisper of your brethren, you did it to me. Okay. But we're going to concentrate on that word, my, breth- my brethren, today. And I want you to verbalize it so you can feel it and how it sounds when you say it. Not just think in your head. Oh, pastor, we're not comfortable to respond when you ask us to say something. I I don't want you to feel comfortable. I want you to feel uncomfortable. I don't want you to be complacent about this. I want you to come out of your comfort zone. You know why? Because to help a brother is never convenient. It's inconvenient it's against our human nature but we're putting on the nature of God to live like Christ so we can live with him so as I sat down and read this again the word of God spoke to me one more time and it was just amazing it was amazing so Jesus took this hungry, thirsty, stranger, naked, sick, prisoners, right? He took these six words and summed it up in one word. Are you with me? It's coming. It's coming. Are you with me? I I want us to be with you, right? So God said, yeah, Jesus said, okay, if you meet a hungry, if you see those who are thirsty, those who are naked, those who are, those who are strangers to you, those who are ill, those who are in prison, you know, and he summed it up in one word. He summed up poverty, poor, he summed up needy in one word. You know what that word is? Brother. He summed up that word in one word, brother. He did not make a mistake to uh, to pick this word, brother. You know why? Because when you treat somebody as a brother and a sister, what happens? The wall of differentiation. The wall of alienation. Alienation, right? The wall that we have set up immediately comes down. And you see the other as your brother. In this case, when we look at the ill, the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the strangers, no, we don't immediately see them as a brother. We don't. It is easier to give off in the offering your dollars and walk away and walk away. Much, much easier. You have no connection, no relationship. There is no attitude problem there. There is no compromise adjustment. There is no conversation happening. It is one act. 
with no relationship. Brother, how is this related to hope? How is this related to hope? We must see them as brothers. The word is sibling. Jesus identified these people as siblings. Breaking down the wall. Breaking down the barrier. That's what Jesus is interested in. Because immediately, when we come to this kind of event, you're seeing the other. The other. We are going out from here to go and serve the other. No. We are not going to serve out the other. Less than. Lesser than us. It's my dollar. I I was able to put it out and I'm going to give it to them so I can feel good and go home and sleep well in the night. No. No, no. That's not what we're doing. We are going out to our sister. We are going out to our brother. It is not us and them. It is together as a family. So we will have no glow in our face as we talked about that Moses came down from Mount Sinai, spending time with the Lord for 40 days, and he was glowing, and people can see the presence of God on his face. That's not going to happen if we go out there as us and them. You are bringing out the barrier, and they can't feel your love, because then we are patronizing them. Right? We are patronizing them. Why do we do that? Why do we have to treat each other with uh, uh, and give human dignity? Because the foundational truth for all of us, the foundational truth for all of us, right? The foundational truth for all of us is that imago dei means image of God. We are created in the image of God. The human dignity is rooted in the foundational truth that God created all of us in His image. And everybody, every brother, every sister is worth, worth all the blood of Jesus Christ. Worth all the suffering He has gone through. Deserve all the human dignity. And that is not based on how much you made and how much I made. Uh, Pastor Dubs again here. I'm sorry if you came in here for like a wishy-washy, watered-down gospel and go out feeling good. Uh, Sorry about that. Right? So, can we continue? Yes, okay, thank you, thank you. So, 
this, let's go back to this brother thing. And how Jesus, using this word, changed the whole history of faith. And the generations to come and generations in the past. Because in the beginning, in the beginning, there was a word. There was one word that changed the whole history, generation. Okay? And that word has reverberated throughout the millennia. In fact, that word was spoken out into the time and space and it pierced through the time and space and it's still there. It's still heard today in the four corners of the universe. And you know what that word is? Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? This was in response to God coming to gain Cain in Genesis chapter 4. And he came and said, Where is your? Oh, that is better than the first time. You're getting the drift now. Right? You're getting the drift. Where is your brother? And the response of Cain he taunted, I'm saying the word yes, he taunted God with a question, am I my brother's keeper? He taunted God with a question back and said, am I my brother's keeper? This question, this taunting, audacious question that God Cain came up with God was a challenge directly to how God has designed that human being should live. There was no dignity given to his younger brother Abel, and there was no dignity given to God who created all of us in the image of God. You see that? Now you can connect it. When Jesus came, he summed up all the things that are going wrong in the world, within the brothers and sisters and lacking all the basic needs and he summed it up in one word and said brother this is no mere accident this is no mere accident the Greek word is adelphos adelphos from the same parent in fact it says uh, it is for Christians that have one heavenly destination. That's a nice description, isn't it? Live like Christ to live with Him. In Hebrew word, ark, brother, same parents, sibling. He used that word. He used that word. And if it was not, if that caution was not enough, if that one taunting caution was not enough, that reverberated throughout the millennia and it still reverberates today it still reverberates today if that was not enough if that was not enough we come back thousands of years later and there was this guy that taunted our Lord Jesus Christ again this intelligent educated man a lawyer and he said who is my neighbor That is a taunting question to the Lord. 
again, audacious. He has the audacity to ask and raise this question when Christ was saying to take care of the neighbor. See? And in both cases, in both cases, there was no answer. There was no answer from God when Cain said, Am I my brother's keeper? Was there an answer in Genesis chapter 4? No. Or was it? Or was it there? When the lawyer said, Who is my neighbor? Jesus did not answer. Or, or was there an answer? And we missed it. So as I was preparing this sermon... I read an article on Saturday and I was talking to my wife because my wife was not going to be here this morning. So I gave her the gist of the sermon and said, Do you know that Matthew 25, 34 onwards down to 40, uh, down to the end is summed up by one word, that is brother. And she shook her head and we talked. And then I was reading. I was reading about the survey done on Christians. Christians, evangelical Christians, about 53% says that people that are poor are because they are lazy. Okay? I want us to stay with this thing. Okay? I know, I know a young couple. One works in the day, one works in the night. The only time they meet is that they meet at the parking lot to switch the car and switch the kids. Right? And they are, they are living paycheck to paycheck. They're working so hard. They are poor. Is that laziness? Is that a sin? Evangelical Christians. I'm talking about us. Us sitting here. Evangelical Christians. I'm talking about followers of Jesus Christ. That are sitting right here in this room. We have labeled poor people as sinner. We have labeled poor people as sinners that lazy is a sin. And you call them lazy and sinner because they are poor. They are poor. And Christ came and said in Luke chapter 10, and you read in Matthew 5 and 6 and say, Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor. Lazy. Blessed. Sinner, they shall see God. Where have we gone wrong here? 53% of Christians call poor people lazy and sin. We are not going to do here in this church. We are not going to do that in this church. Your pastor is poor. I know I'm the chief of the sinner, so I take that. But I'm not lazy. I work very hard on this sermon. Work, we work hard on hope. Well, not me, other people. Twenty-nine percent non-Christians feel the same way. Did you know that non-Christians have more compassion and understanding on human struggles? And where have we gone wrong? Where have we gone wrong that we have come up with 
proverbial taunting caution, spitting back right at God, adding to who is my neighbor and my, my brother's keeper to say, he who is poor is lazy. That is a proverbial taunting caution, spitting back at God that reverberates throughout the millennia and it will continue to do so. And we look back at Cain, we look back at the lawyer and we think we are safe and we are free from being judged and looked at by God. Not so fast. Not so fast because do you know what? God can spit back right at you. You know? I love you, God. And God may say, love you right back. But you spit at Him, He can spit right back at you. Because in Genesis chapter 5, when the genealogy was of Adam was given, and say, Adam, and who followed Adam? Who was the, the person that followed the generation of Adam? It wasn't Cain. It wasn't Abel because Abel was dead. But it was Seth. It was Seth. You will never see Cain's name again in the generation and line of Adam. That is God's answer. That is God's answer. You come to the lawyer. And in Matthew 25, he said, Who will enter the kingdom of God? Who take cares of the neighbor and the poor and the sick? They will enter into the kingdom of God. But he who does not do that when they come, I will say, I never knew you. Christ answered in Matthew 25. He didn't answer to the question, who is my neighbor? But the answer is there. Just as Cain was not in the generational line of Adam, we may not be in the book of life. Thank you, Alex. Because daunting God with that caution is rejecting familial responsibility. You are rejecting your responsibility of to take care of your brother and sister by asking, am I my brother's keeper? Who is my neighbor? Unanswered questions? No. It was answered loud and clear. And the generations and history tells us that he who is not with God will be silent in their voice, in their presence. It will be separated. The Jewish understanding of heaven is what? Is to be with God forever. And understanding of Hades is to be separated forever from God. We are doing Matthew 25 because we are following the Lord Jesus Christ and our one, 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 number one purpose and aim in life is to spend eternally with God. This is the reason why we're doing this. In order to do that, 
as Jesus identified with the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, and the prison, we must also identify with our brothers and sisters. This is not other. This is not us and them. This is together. This is together as a family. So, will you give the human dignity to anyone that come here today to this campus? That everyone who steps into this campus will leave this campus feeling better than before they came here. Can we do that? Yes? Yes, yes. We can do that. We can do that. <clears throat> yeah, so, um, and uh, you asked me, why, why, why do we do this? Why are we doing this? And I want to share a psalms, and then we'll pray. We'll have communion, and remember what the Lord has done for us. And I want to share this. In Psalm 78, it says here that we will not hide them from their children. Right? What are we not going to hide? We're not going to hide what God has done for us. We're going to tell to our children that on Hope, Silicon Valley, many people gave money to buy backpacks. Many people gave money to buy food. Many uh, medical people, men, nurses, uh, pharmacists, let's give them a big hand. Those who are here, they gave their service. They extended their hand. They used their feet and leg to serve. Many teachers are here. They will take care of the students. And the Stanford Hospital, uh, Children Wing, uh, Teen Wing, they are here and they are here to serve. We will tell them to other people of that. We will not hide that God made these things possible. Telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord, that His strength and His wonderful works that we will see right before our eyes, that we will not give it to ourselves. That what? The generation to come might know. We know, they will know God. That when we are gone, the generation will know God. And the children who would be born in Santa Clara will know. The children yet to be born will know. And this morning, there are some girls from Heritage Home. You know Heritage Home from City Team. And I baptized 11 of them. They are here. I want to give them a hint. Right? Yes. They, they did not know the church. They did not know God. But they're here with well, nine-month kids. Nine-month kid is here. That, that children will know the work of the Lord. And that this baby will grow up to tell the children yet to be born what God has done for her. That is why we're doing this. This is why we're doing this. That, why? That they may arise and declare them to their children that they may set their hope on God. That's it. Set their hope on God that they will keep His commandments. That's why we're doing Hope Silicon Valley. Not to make ourselves feel better. Not that we'll sleep well tonight. But this generation will tell about wonderful work of God the generation will tell, and the children that are yet to be born will tell about God's good work in this city, 
in this nation. If you post today, use the hashtag Hope Silicon Valley. If you do Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, use the hashtag. It's the pound sign. Pound sign and Hope Silicon Valley. Use that thing. If you have any question, you can ask Dr. Dubs. He has all the answer of the world. And if he doesn't know, he will act like he knows. Right? And I'm sorry that God called the fool to shame the wise. And I'm one of the fools standing here. But if you have caution, we can pray and go to the Lord together. Let us pray. All right? And before we pray, this is what we're going to do today. We're going to have the communion served. And there will be songs as we worship. But at the end of this, before we go out to the service, I'm going to ask you to come and bless. A symbolic blessing. Because the tent and all are not here, but these backpacks. And we're going to pray. And then, take the backpacks out to the education booth. Right? When all the youth, especially, and all those who are able to come hold it back, pray. Pray over it that you will be able to share love and compassion to other people. The other thing is, we did not do any advertising. We don't know how many people will show up. I have no idea. (laughs) No one may show up. It's very possible nobody will show up because we didn't invite it. We didn't do anything. But we're trusting on the Lord. But without fear, with hope. But I just heard that uh, there is a basketball tournament at Santa Clara High School, and they're going to start at 12. Big tournament. And so uh, I think students will come to basketball tournament. That's very possible, right? Hundreds of kids will come. So some of you that doesn't have work, and you're thinking, what should I do? Maybe stay in the parking lot. Or go over to their parking lot before you go home and say, hey, there's backpacks for high school. Come on over as you're waiting or game is over. You know, they'll be, the game will be done from 12 to 2. We might still be there. So that's the free advertising right there. How about that? Yes? All right. Yes. The other thing is, when you grab your food, do not stand and eat with somebody that you know for this day. Please get your food and see it with someone that you don't know. Make, make that effort with trembling and fear. Yes. Just go over shaking to somebody and introduce yourself. And say, thank you for coming. Is there anything I can do for you? And if the conversation go on longer enough, then you can get their names and say, I'll pray for you. Can we do that? Yes. So we're going to ask for strength and boldness. We're going to ask the board and the worship team to come up to get ready for the communion.